0: In, uh, wow, in 200, the bands. <laughs> wow.
1: They've been around be for a while. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Greatest Lists Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts Jason and Eric are counting down the top 25 guitar solos of the 80s and the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys.
0: Welcome back to Greatest Lists, a music and talk podcast featuring lists of the greatest songs of all time. I am Jason, your host for this episode. Joining me, as always, my co-host Eric.
1: What's going on, man? man?
0: I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's good, man. I'm glad to be in season two. We're uh, kicking things off. Had a couple blues songs to start for our favorite guitar solos of the 90s. Yep. Uh, of course, like we said, we're going to split the uh, season in half. Where The first half, we're going to do the top 25 from the 90s. And we'll, then we'll circle back to the 80s uh, later in the year. But as always, we recommend Spotify Premium. For the best listening experience of Greatest Lists, because you get to hear the songs, people. True story. You get to hear them. (laughs) And the bonus songs. All in their entirety while you listen to the podcast. But using another app or streaming from the lab, we are glad you're here, too, of course. You can always punch up those songs. Eh, Punch them up later. (laughs) Coming in at number 23 on the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. A song from 1993, a little band from Seattle. No, not that band. Uh, no, not, not that one. Oh, no, no, not that one. <laughs> we are featuring Candlebox with the song Far Behind.
1: Behind the music.
0: So like I mentioned, uh, Candlebox hails from Seattle. They began performing in 1991. And released their first album, self-titled, in 1993, which includes this song, Far Behind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In the year 2000, in the year 2000, the band disbanded for several years, up through 2006, when they reunited. And uh, most of them are still together. There are some new faces in the group, which does include the guitar player. So the original guitarist is Peter Klett. He uh, uses uh, Gibson Les Paul. And he came back for the reunion, but officially left in 2015 and is now doing his own thing. He formed a band called Lotus Crush and Apollo Under Fire. I haven't heard any uh, music from those two bands. I so. actually went
1: and looked up Lotus Crush. Okay. Not bad. Okay. I Not haven't...
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't do my research on those, uh, those new bands, but I did do my research on the uh, original music far behind was actually the third single from their debut album it was a mega hit number four on the rock uh, mainstream rock chart number seven on the alternative chart and number 18 on the hot 100 pop chart uh, the single which i'm assuming is a cd singles at this point right uh, featured the full album cut and a nine minute live version that was a combo with the cover of voodoo child wow and, a live version of the hit You, which I really like. Uh, the story behind the song is frontman Kevin Martin wrote it for Andy Wood, who is the yeah. or who was the lead singer of Mother Love Mother Bone, Love who died from a heroin overdose in 1990. Uh, Martin was quoted in All Access, All Access Magazine in 2008 saying, I wrote far behind for Andy Wood. I was a huge Malfunction fan and a huge Mother Love Bone fan. And I got to know Andy early on in his career when he was working in a shoe store with Susan Silver, who was managing uh, Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, and Allison Chains. How's that for managing? Back uh, when they were nobodies. <laughs> so they work at a shoe store, and uh, you know that's how it all happened. So Al Bundy, <laughs> you know, don't he just don't out. Flack. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: but. Uh, yeah, interesting. I didn't know. Uh, I, I had heard the story of um, uh, Andy Wood, yeah. I think, on a documentary, and uh, did not know that this song was essentially written for him or dedicated to him. But uh, yeah, you know, a lot of those Seattle bands were were tight coming up, and then you yeah. know when Nevermind hit, really, is when everything blew up. I even read that uh, a lot of people. Accused the band of kind of riding that wave, and that's how they got famous. I'm like, well, okay, well, so what's wrong with that? Yeah, well, and <laughs> it's <not> like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like they started the band after you know Nirvana hit, but right. uh,
1: which a lot of people did. I mean, a lot of bands did do that after Nirvana right. hit. So
0: I, I mean, it was just so huge, right at the beginning dumb. of you know that whole grunge era and yeah, alternative music. So if he a knew
1: bit... if he knew Andy Andy Wood, then he was he was part of that original group of Seattle musicians.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Let's get personal.
0: Okay, so what I remember most about this song is the music video. It was a pretty big deal to me at the time. Probably the first time I had ever heard the song was on MTV. And it's a kind of a weird video. They're in this house. It's like coming, going through some kind of renovation or something. And the lead singer, Kevin Martin, is walking through and singing into this microphone, which apparently has a very long cord. But, uh <laughs> Very interesting. There's a guy throwing paint around at one point and then, yeah, there's just random people in random rooms around the house as he's going around singing the song. Uh, But, but, oh gosh, I remember hearing it and just, oh, my ear tuned to it. I I guess it was just the sound of the guitar, that riff, you know, at the beginning of the song. And I was pretty much hooked right into it. I got that first album pretty early, Uh, some great tracks on it, top to bottom. And I've revisited it many times over the years. And typically when I hear Far Behind on the radio or somewhere, I'll break out that album again and start listening to it. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the band. I missed their second album, which is titled Lucy, altogether. But the third one, which came out in 1998, Happy Pills is what it's called. Yeah. Really hit home. Um, me and my college roommate, like I talked about in the Kenny Wayne Shepherd episode, we uh, there's a lot of albums we shared back and forth. I think he actually had this one because I looked in my... I still have my CD collection in the those that big leather binders oh, we used yeah. to keep them in, you know? Uh, awesome. Couldn't find Happy Pills in there. But yeah, I... Gosh, there's a, a couple songs we'll talk about here in a minute hit me really strong I got right back into Candlebox and started listening to the first album again.
1: Nice. And
0: uh I don't know, I just like the, the the tone of the guitar again. There's it's just a interesting rhythm with a lot of their lyrics and how the songs are set up. So I I always think that they're really uh unique by themselves uh, even away from the grunge scene. That you not necessarily put them in with the grunge, but then you start you hear some of the, like the the, the just the sound of the guitar and the and the lyrics and everything, and then there's some really strong songs though that you're not hearing on the radio, that you're like, wow, that's some that's some great rock, yeah, right? What's your kind of history with Candlebox I mean, and Far
1: Beyond? Um, that that mid to late '90s era, I, I was having babies and kind of <laughs> missed out on a lot of music at the time, and uh-huh. I just don't I don't ever remember getting into Candlebox. Uh-huh. Um, just because of you know i just didn't i don't for whatever reason i don't know why yeah. um, but when you put them on the list i went, actually went and listened to happy pills just listened to the whole album one day while i was working mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually really good i mean I, you know I, I don't think i'd ever listened to it through mm-hmm. and so i was actually really impressed with it it was pretty good but i don't bet when they were out on the radio and you know out in in, in you know in the '90s, I don't remember ever listening to them hardly. Like I said, I was I was having babies and <laughs> listening to kids' music, and yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I don't I don't really have a whole lot of history with them. I my grunge kind of wrapped up the first half of the '90s, and so
0: yeah, I was kind of well, '92, '93. When did Nevermind come out? I think that was '92.
1: '92, yeah, yeah, right. So '92.
0: I graduated from high school in 94. So I was all in by then on the alternative rock and grunge at the time. And then there was a little period where I I started missing some albums. Like I said, I even missed that second one from Candlebox. And then everything kind of came flooding back at the late 90s, probably when you were listening to blues. Uh, You know, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a... uh, Bookend almost to the '90s with the with the alternative rock right. that I was listening to.
1: The breakdown.
0: All right, so uh, the solo in particular goes for 43 seconds in this song. It's really straightforward to start, but by the end, Peter Klett, he's all up and down the board, man. <laughs> he is. I just really some of his solos um, in on the album are really great and it's kind of deceptive some of these songs when you when you come in they're kind of they got almost like a mellow kind of rhythm and and tone to them and then boom just wails on the thing yeah and then there's some more songs on the album that are you know more straightforward rock but i just love the the tone of the guitar i keep saying it but that main riff throughout the song uh i also really like kevin martin's voice it's a bit nasally when you hear it it is but he he gives us a growl or maybe even a scream, uh, that's really really powerful, and I like at the end he's almost scatting. Like, the lyrics.
1: I mean, <laughs> that's just true. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's true.
0: And just a real interesting style for what you'd probably label as alternative rock. Right. And the rhythm of the singing, it it it's almost counter to what the song is doing at times, and I think so. That's what really makes Candlebox unique is it's almost i wouldn't say dissonant but different rhythms uh, as they're playing so right. you can you can kind of put your ear to the his voice and the lyrics and and singing along but the guitars over here doing something totally different you know <laughs> so it's it's cool if you i went back and i don't remember listening to a lot of these uh alternative albums in headphones but now listening to them and it's, it's, it's fun to <laughs> everything's different. You now, get you? Everything. Yeah. 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 And you pay attention to it because, you know, when we went back in the early nineties. I'm not sitting and trying to listen to every little note no. of the song. No. You're just wailing. You're yeah. You're driving 55 down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and you know,
0: you got it cranked and you're not paying attention. Exactly. You, just, you, know, you, right. you know, you love the song and, and now it's fun, especially with this show, to go back and listen and, and really catch the, right. the interesting things. But what, what say, do you like will, or dislike about the song?
1: I will say that those, I mean, even though I didn't listen to Candlebox Box much, those first two notes, if you hear them, you know what the song is. I oh, mean, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a recognizable riff at the beginning of that song. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Whenever, I'm, whenever I have the car on lithium or, you know, whatever uh, – if I hear those first two notes, I know what's coming on next. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you know, hey, it's it. There aren't there aren't a lot of songs that you've written a, a riff that's recognizable enough. You know, 20, 30 years yeah. later. So uh, yeah, but you're right. He does. Do, I mean, he is. He's he's deceptively good on the guitar. He's he's all over that neck uh, during the end of that solo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually went out since I hadn't. I didn't. I wasn't much of a, I didn't have much of a background with box. I went and looked him up and uh, some of his uh, influences on guitar are, you know, are would lead you to believe that he could play guitar that way. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know, he's, he he does a great job on it. I just, I just don't have any history with, with any of their other songs.
0: Yeah. He's actually on Twitter. I went over there and was looking at just some of his posts. He's a producer now on all kinds of stuff and showing all his setups and I think even still playing some Candlebox from time to time. But uh, yeah, pretty interesting guy. It's a shame almost because I think a lot of people label Candlebox as a one hit wonder almost. Because I mean, I would have. So I, didn't, huge.
1: I didn't know they had another song other than this.
0: <laughs> well, they had a few singles that released, just didn't, nothing yeah. could top it because it, like I said, there's like three different charts that it went all the way into like the top 20. Right. Yeah. So, when you have a mega hit like that, it's sometimes it
1: overshadows a lot of things
0: really hard to top it. Yeah. Uh, and especially when all that great alternative rock was coming on at that time. Um, I'm surprised some of these other songs did make it on there, but they have a really great sound and I really enjoy going back and listening to those uh, two albums mainly, but all right. Candlebox coming in at number 23 on the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s. Uh, Some bonus songs for this episode. I definitely have to include that song, You, which was from that same album. Pretty fun solo on that song. Uh, Actually, most songs on the album have great solos if you go back and listen to their first album. Uh, Then I'm going to jump ahead to that Happy Pills album. 10,000 Horses has a real like, far-behind vibe, but... Uh, My favorite is called It's All Right. Yeah. And I remember blaring that one in the college dorm room. It's mainly almost like an acoustic ballad to start and has some great electric licks. And uh, it really kicks in a a couple times. And it's got a really heavy bridge that kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, what? Did a new song start? (laughs) (laughs) And then they they power back in with that uh, acoustic uh, rhythm from the beginning of the song at the end and the solo in that one it sounds a lot like edge from u2 to me so it's almost a different sound altogether, or a different yeah. style uh by this album versus that first one but oh man it's such an incredible song so make sure you guys listen to those bonus songs this week if you have spotify premium which we recommend of course stay tuned those bonus songs are coming up free spotify users who get a little bit of the song but outside of spotify Use those song whip links in the show notes and we'll connect you to the songs in your favorite music app. Go and check them out later on. Of course, give us your thoughts on today's episode. If you're in the candle box, we'd love to hear it. Find us on Twitter at Greatest Lists. And of course, you can stream episodes at GreatestListsPodcast.com, which is uh, uh, out there. It's got all of our catalog, including our season one uh, episodes out there as well. And we're, of course, in our, your favorite streaming app, so uh, make sure you are connected and subscribe to us. Eric will host our next show, number 22 selection, which features a lead singer gone solo. Yes.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: So uh, we'll have to see how that uh, whole guitar solo fits into the lead singer gone solo next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Greatest Lists, and we look forward to continuing our list of the top 25 guitar solos of the 90s next time.
1: You've been listening to The Greatest Lists.